that have come to me have identified as highly sensitive and or empathic and or had the you know descriptions or symptoms of such without really knowing those words. And I had to figure out what to do for them really quickly because, you know, they were coming in, in dro- you know, in, uh, a lot, you know. And fortunately, I was able to intuit um, some pretty powerful steps. And very, I was able to really see a lot of commonalities that did. And I hate to box anyone in, but when that many people show up with very similar um, life circumstance, difficulties trying to heal things, um, patterns that just show up. And I made note of those and started realizing, okay, there's a lot more to this than I had any idea of prior to that moment. And from then on, I've worked with thousands of empaths and highly sensitive persons. And I guess I'm kind of the empath guy. It wasn't my intention, but you know how it works. And the spirit has other ideas than we do <laughs> about a lot of things. <laughs> um, well, yeah, but um, tell me, though, uh, what do you think was special about that night? What do you think was the trigger? Well, taking on the what you might call drunk vibes of the people that were mm-hmm. around me and not really having any idea. I, you know, I really hadn't been in bars in a long time and the couple of times that I were, it didn't really feel good and I didn't know why. Well, now everything became clear. So it was more of an oh, awareness triggered than, you know, a new experience. I think this, this probably was, had been happening for years prior. Um, but it was more obvious in places like a mall, for example, I'd walk in there for a little while, I'd kind of get what I'd now call mall sickness or large events or, you know, a lot of different places where I can get overwhelmed by energies. And, but I didn't really have the language for it. I didn't really understand it. That night really gave me an experience of it. Yeah. I see. Because here you are, you were, okay, so just to kind of, Maybe I'll say it in my words and see if if I if I understand you. And please feel free to correct me. Um, you were a captive audience. You were on this bus. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, probably dozens of people uh, who were drinking, and basically all of their energy was sort of bleeding out. And it was, uh, I, I guess, under those circumstances, it was just impossible to miss. <laughs> It was pretty clear by the night's ending what had happened. Uh, and yes, you described it perfectly. Yeah, It started out, interestingly, maybe a dozen, 15 or so. But as the night went on, every place we went to, people were, you know, sort of enjoying our company and thought it was a great idea. So they joined on. And by the end of the evening, there was probably 30, 40 people all celebrating this friend of a friend's birthday who I barely knew. Um, and at the end of the night, I actually went to hail a cab and... You know, I couldn't, I could, I couldn't walk a straight line. I couldn't yell taxi without it sounding weird. It was like all the symptoms of someone who was very drunk, and I really had only water the entire night. Wow. So you, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a much more clear sense of it now. Um, yeah, most definitely. Reminds me of an old Star Trek episode uh, where there was this empath who uh, healed. Uh, I don't know. It was probably Captain Kirk. I can't remember. Uh, but you know, she actually, uh, you know, took on his pain. Took on. 
mm-hmm. everything associated with the wound and you know, took it away from him, took it into herself, and then, you know, till it finally disappeared. But, you know, I can imagine that that must be a heavy-duty thing, um, uh, talent, if you will, gift. Uh, sometimes it, I would imagine it must feel like a curse. Um, it, it must be difficult to go crowded places because you must pick up everything from joy and elation to Anger, frustration, utter despair. Uh, I mean, maybe even people who uh, are thinking about committing suicide or something. I mean, is it that specific? I mean, can you name the emotions that are bleeding off of a person, or do you just sort of get a a sensation of it being negative or positive? Um, Depends if I'm really... You know what level I'm tuning in at, and by the way, I do remember that Star Trek episode. It was one of my favorite episodes, and only took me 40 years later to figure out why I liked it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, when I'm in crowds, you know, I can feel a lot of different things. Uh, if I'm with a particular person, I can feel what they're feeling. I can name it and/or feel it. Uh, the idea basically is to get myself to a place, and this is where the tools that came to me really take, you know, um, are so effective where now I, if I remember my tools, right. I'm not, I can't say I remember them all the time. I'm just as human as anyone else. I will forget. But when I use my tools, I can be in the presence of pretty much anybody or large crowds or even a mall and be fine, you know, because I really learned how to work with that energy and see what I had been doing unconsciously. And then of course, now being able to more make more of a conscious, um, effort, to be with what is and not resist it, but also to not keep whatever was coming my way. So um, it's a whole different world now. Yeah, fortunately, you know, by necessity, but also by helping others really alerted me to what was happening within myself. So if you say, for instance, I mean, I I think I know what you're going to say, but say you're going to go to a football game or something, uh, uh, I mean, and you're going to be in this huge crowd, I mean, can you just like flip the switch and turn it off and not be subject to, um, you know, receiving? I mean, can you cut off the receiving if you want to? It's more a matter of allowing it to go through me than to cut off. So basically what I, what I was shown was cutting off is sort of a walling. And the walling, although logical to the left brain, because it separates us from those who we might find difficult, when you do that enough, that becomes a new way of being. And then we end up separating ourselves from people. And we're really empaths and sensitive. We really want to connect with other people. I think it's part of our superpower. But if we're walling off so much, we don't have that connection. So okay. I've learned to work with it to come in and work and to let it go through me doing these specific steps. Um, but when I remember to do that, like at a, a large stadium, for example, you know, it, it's really easy. There are other times where, for example, like at a concert, if everyone's kind of really enjoying the show, I might not want to. I might actually want to actually consciously choose to ride that wave of energy that's coming toward me. So with Mm -hmm. conscious awareness, I can choose yes or no, work with it in specific ways. Um, It's not always a bad thing. And what you said earlier is actually very true that at times, and this has been the case up until I figured out what to do, but also the case with almost everyone I work with, it seems much more of a burden or a curse than a blessing. 
and what I do is help people to see it as a blessing. To me, it's like, you know, sometimes kids are born with just like a proclivity to play piano, for example. And that mm-hmm. has to be fine-tuned. You know, they don't just become, you know, masters. They have to fine-tune their gift. To me, this is very similar. We're born this way. And with fine-tuning, we can uh, adjust the gift as necessary to specific situations, conditions, people, environments. So it really is a presence practice in that way, which I think is the basis of many spiritual traditions, really being present enough to know what to do, how to be, what to say, etc., and not repeat the unconscious patterns that were pretty much conditioned and or absorbed, which I found has, you know, really a huge part of most people's experience in the first, you know, six, seven years is absorbing, you know, ways of being, you know, attitudes, mm-hmm. um, energetic vibrations, you know, complain or not complain, um, awareness, sickness or whatever. It's like we were kind of walking sponges and a lot of us don't really get a handle on that too soon enough that we become walking sponges for much more intense energies. And they augment, they increase as we get older to the point where sometimes people just don't have energy anymore. They're very lethargic. They might get diagnosed with depression or anxiety, um, fibromyalgia. These things add up and they create these really intense symptoms that are given these names. And then people come to me and say, hey, what's going on? And I can say, well, yeah, you've been absorbing your grief from your mother, for example, or the collective Mm -hmm. unconsciousness or anger from this person, your partner, you know, so. I would imagine right right now with so much um, stress in the world, um, Mm -hmm. you know, here in the United States, I mean, I know I read somewhere that the depression has just sort of skyrocketed um, since our president has been in office. Um, can you, I, I would imagine you must be uh, picking up on all of that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm unconscious, sure. But, you know, my challenge is like everyone else is to be conscious with our and use the gifts accordingly. And absolutely, right. people have been anxiety and depression are certainly on the rise in the last year or so. And, uh, but when we really look at these things for what they are, like, people that are super sensitive are picking up not just their own fears about what's happening, but also that of the collective unconsciousness. Right. And yeah. When has, you said collective that, unconscious, yeah, <clears throat> that, that's, that's kind of what I meant. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Well, so, so Dave, what did you do before? I mean, what, what line of work were you in before, um, you really fine-tune this? I mean, have have you been, I, I mean, like at what age did you really start to own this and become, I guess, I, do you consider yourself a healer? Um, I use the phrase intuitive healing facilitator because mm-hmm. I believe source is the only thing that actually heals, so I don't want to, you know, I want to be clear as possible on that. I don't do the healing, but sure. I can create the conditions and, um, inform people on what actually caused the pain and illness prior to them getting to my office or, or phone call or Skype or whatever. Um, prior to that, I was doing more traditional forms of energy healing work, more traditional forms of medical intuition. And prior to that, I did massage therapy for 10 years, which also really fine-tuned my intuitive abilities to the point where towards the end of that, someone could just walk in. I would know exactly what 
was going on. And it wasn't like a psychic invasion. It was more like, you know, I, I'm very conscious of boundaries in that respect. I wasn't getting readings mm-hmm. on anything nobody wouldn't want to tell me, you know, but I would just know right away. I would just feel it or I would touch their back, for example, and say, okay, you know, that looks like you got a lot of anger at your dad back here. And it was always right. Like there was just, it yeah. was spot on. And granted, some people didn't come there. Some people didn't come for that kind of, you know, massage therapy. They just wanted to, you know, get their muscles rubbed, and that's fine. So that was a lesson to myself that, you know, to be, to act in accordance with what people expect. You know, I, I don't right. need to like push my belief system upon anyone or try to impress some psychic games or anything like that, uh, or readings or whatever. So yeah, it's just kind of this long thing and. I think it's you know started coming into into focus much more in my 40s. I'm currently um, 54, if that makes any sense. But I guess it's mathematically correct, although mm-hmm. I don't feel like it. I think I'm probably the healthiest 54 year old I know. I'm not on any medications. I sleep perfectly. You know, I fall asleep right away. Wake up refreshed, no matter how much sleep I get. Um, you know, no aches and pains. Mm-hmm. I very rarely ever get sick. So I think I'm doing something okay. right. So I'm going to knock on wood. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. And the most most important thing is I can show people, other people, how to do that. It really has nothing to do with me. It's like, I guess I can be a model. We all can be models in some way of different ways of being. But the real real fun happens when I can empower someone with information that they've been perhaps seeking for decades and have them shift their life. And that's just, you know, that's why I do this. That's just amazing to me. Right. Well, you know, I've had one of those massages that you just described. Uh, I didn't know. I I, I didn't know uh, that that was going to be the result. I just thought I was going in for a regular massage. It was with a new therapist. uh, And um, interestingly, she asked me what was on my mind uh, before I, you know, got down on the table and I mentioned a few things. Uh, you know, just sort of out of the blue and passing, you know, nothing deeper and tense. And I was amazed that when I got up off that table, I not only had a wonderful physical experience, but my uh, the angst surrounding, uh, surrounding the problem that I mentioned to her um, was gone. I mean, it had just dissipated. Uh, you know, that shit was not going to be my shit anymore, so to speak. And, um, and, and you know, and I'm not sure. I'm, I'm a Virgo. I'm a skeptic, you know. Uh, I'm not sure if someone had just told me that that was possible, that I would have believed it. So I'm really glad that I experienced it myself because sure. it's pretty remarkable. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the thing Thank you, you said uh, uh, about people who um, – have not figured out that this is who they are, um, I can imagine uh, that could probably go very badly. I mean, they could maybe end up in a sanitarium or something, uh, you know, if uh, closed-minded people uh, maybe uh, were the ones responsible for the diagnosis. You know, they might never... Uh, figure out what was really wrong with this person, and I, who knows? I might, they may end up with shock therapy or all sorts of uh, uh, medication, and all the while they are potentially maybe just uh, an empath. That's why I do this work. 
because I want to get that information out there just so exactly what you just said doesn't happen. I have nothing against medications. They do what they do. Mm -hmm. I, I, Mm -hmm. my, my peeve about them is that they don't typically address the underlying cause. And if someone needs it, fine. You know, I'm, you know, medical doctor says someone needs to take something. I support that fully, but I'm, I'm also going to add to that. I don't need to put that down or, you know, whatever. I want to add to that and say, okay, this could be happening also. Let's explore this. So I have worked with a lot of people that actually have gotten off their medications with their doctor's approval. You know, I just do my work and they're feeling better, so much better that they're not just numbed, which is what a lot of medications do, but they're actually vibrant. Now, and at that point, you know, you can talk to your doctor, tell him, him or her or whatever, that you're feeling much better. And be willing to ask if you want, you know, if you can lessen the dosage or, or, you know, take steps, you know, logical, you know, thoughtful, careful, heartfelt steps. Mm-hmm. And I've worked mm-hmm. with so many people that have gotten off of medication that they don't need to go down that route that you just mentioned. Right, right. Um, and, I, I, and, you know, and I would imagine this is a very individual thing, but I can't help but ask, you know, we hear so much about the opioid crisis in the United States right now, and I've always thought it might have something to do with um, the depressed economic state so many people are in with income disparity, or it might just be fear or hopelessness. Um I wonder if you've had any any thoughts about that. I mean, considering what an epidemic it is. Well, I mean, do you think it's of, sort of something in the collective unconscious, as opposed to they might also have individual issues as well? All of those that you mentioned are possible, along with many others that you had. It's completely, like you said, it is individual, but. Um, it just makes sense that if someone is thriving in their life and reasonably happy and feels at least that there's an opportunity for them to excel, to use their gifts, they're probably not going to start using hard drugs. So, you know, and a lot of the people that are, you know, are burying pain that is so intense that they don't know any other way. And that's, again, one of the reasons I do this because I share tools that, can actually help you access that pain. Now that might be really scary for a lot of people, but it doesn't heal by, you know, magically. We have to actually have to face mm-hmm. it. And yeah, uh, I, you know, so yeah, it's it's economic disparity. It's all of those things. Yeah, right, totally. right. Um, you know, I, I just got a crazy idea, and I wonder if you've ever thought of this. Um, I wonder how useful someone like you would be at a negotiation table. You know, whether it be, uh, I don't know, between employers or employees or between countries or political parties. Um, I don't know. that It just occurred to me if you could uh, pick up, you know, what the people across the table were feeling, um, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> it would be, except that I would imagine, and I could be wrong, that any one of those people that are at that negotiating table would be afraid that their real intentions might be let known if I was in the room with them. <laughs> so they might not be so willing to do that. Um, but if it was two people that are really open and, and I've done, I've done couples work. I do lots of group work. So different dynamics can show up in that. And uh, in that respect, it's a, it's, you know, quite useful. Yeah. <laughs> I've yet to be hired to do uh peace negotiations between countries. I don't imagine it happening, but 
if it does, I'll I'll, I'll call you immediately and say thank you for making that happen. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a little break right now. I have a message from Joe Carson for listeners. Uh, But when we come back, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of your success stories uh, with people where maybe they've gotten no results somewhere else, but you were able to um, help them. And uh, and then maybe, you know, we'll talk about um, five steps uh, to healing for the highly sensitive person. Does that sound okay? Sure. Okay. All right, be right back. The psychic state is the collective unconscious, which is that consciousness of the planet. It's called the chthonic mind, the mind of the earth. Our ancestors understood that the animal and divine were all connected, they were together, that there wasn't a separation. That's what we are trying to return to, is that sense that our animal nature is divine. It doesn't get in the way of the divine. It gets us closer to it. What's your idea of being fully alive as a human being? Because that's what's really spiritual. Write it down. Start writing your own Bible if you want. That's the sacred. And by that, I just mean sweaty, fun, happy sex. Well, that was a message from uh, Joe Carson, and uh, uh, that's a part of the teachings in uh, her Dancing with Gaia book uh, and DVD, uh, which you can get from uh, dancingwithgaia.com. And uh, you just heard a little bit of a snippet uh, from um, one of the teachers, uh, one of the many visionaries and teachers that uh, is in the, the DVD and uh, in book. Uh, DancingWithGaia.com by Joe Carson. So, uh, getting back to Dave Markowitz uh, and our topic tonight, uh, self-care for the self-aware and highly sensitive person. Um, Dave, uh, why don't you tell us uh, about one or two of of your success stories, um, you know, for people that you've been able to help? Right. Well, um, typically I see people with, I guess, it's a varied uh, degree in different symptoms, uh, different names for these symptoms. Um, probably the four more common ones we mentioned earlier, anxiety, fibromyalgia, depression, and fatigue. Uh, you know, of course, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't treat those, but I can certainly help someone elucidate the underlying causes of it. Another thing that's come up a lot recently is obesity. I remember one woman... She was having some throat issues, and you know, I was able to intuit that it was throat chakra related. She wasn't speaking her truth, and I showed her how to do that uh, safely. And I just that one session, and I got an email from her about a year later, and she said she lost 40 pounds. And the key, the word she used was effortlessly. She hadn't made any dietary or exercise changes. It was rather the emotional awareness and moving that energy that was stuck there. So that was pretty hmm. cool. Um, but, you know, it's, it's so many. I mean, from more typical back pains to more of those more serious things that you mentioned. I mentioned I've worked with uh, a few people with, you know, tumors, fibroids, cancerous tumors, et cetera. You know, ultimately, 
if you look at things beyond the physical level, everything is energy. Right? I think most of your listeners know that. And from that point of view, from the point of view of spirit, if you will, this, you know, healing for uh, a hangnail is not much different from back pain, not much different from anxiety. It's like our thoughts, our experiences, our beliefs, and for an empath, those of collective unconsciousness form our, our basis of reality. And if we're in the flow, you know, we'll be healthy. And most of us are not. We have blockages in different areas due to, like with that other woman I mentioned, not speaking her truth, to other kind of blockages of holding anger, uh, holding grief in. I mean, how many of us were taught as little kids, you know, that their grief was welcome? You know, how many of us heard, you know, can you save your temper tantrum for the restaurant because that'll be fun? Like we're just the opposite. We're told to, you know, quiet down, stuff everything in. And these teach mm-hmm. us these patterns that stay with us for the rest of our life where we're not, not feeling free to be expressed. So things like depression, for example, well, it's not from having too much sadness. Everyone has tremendous amounts of sadness. But those who feel it, process it, understand it, will not have the blockages that lead to perhaps someone getting diagnosed with depression. So there's always mm-hmm. underlying energies, always underlying emotions that are blocked. And whatever someone shows up with, once we can elucidate those, work with those, using the steps, um, you know, beautiful things can happen. Uh, and I see it all the time. It's pretty amazing. So, you know, I try not to use labels. I use those descriptions or those diagnoses just so people get an idea of what I do. But, again, I don't really work with those specifically. To me, everything is energy. It's either flowing or it's not. And in the case of empaths, Typically, when it's not flowing, it's because there's an overwhelm of other people's energy, emotions, even experiences that we're holding. So in that mm-hmm. respect, I would say, how could you not be fatigued? How could you not have heavy heartedness? How would you not feel anxious if you're holding everyone else's energy? Right? Or that of the collective, right. like you mentioned, with the, with the state of the world. And that, in addition to... You know, with social media, we know what's going on everywhere. And because the news typically reports the negative more than the positive, it can lead to tremendous amounts of fear. And fear never really, I mean, sure, there is, you know, uh, evolutionary impulse where fear is a, a positive thing. If a lion is chasing you or whatever, you know, our bodies adjust and work to get us to safe, get, you know, keep us safe. But an excess of fear, an excess of um you know, drilled in fear by the news media uh, makes everything even worse. You know, so we're kind of like this giant, you know, um, conglomerate of all these really intense energies and the empaths. You know, we feel it. We get up every day and sometimes we're like, I don't want to, I don't want to be here. I've worked with a lot of people that have said that. The reality is they just don't want to experience the pain that they are. So, you know, yeah. all those people that I work with, we get them to a different place. Well, you know, I was going to ask you um, if you've noticed 
um, on a on a gender basis if women or or men are more affected. And my first thought was, well, maybe women um, are affected more because <clears throat> they've been oppressed and marginalized so long as second-class yeah. citizens in patriarchy. But yet I started thinking, well, wait a minute, look at the men who have to fit into a box as well, you know, and maybe they can't be uh, their authentic self. But do you think, uh, do you think women uh, are more adversely affected? <coughs> I can only say from those that have come to me, I can't say what's happening in the bigger picture. I haven't worked with everyone. I mean, I can certainly guess, but uh, probably three quarters, if not a little bit more of the people that I work with are usually women. And partially because a lot of what you've already described, and yes, the masculine does have you know similar things where we're not really allowed to be in our full masculine self. We're not really taught what that means. You know, where we learn about relationships from, like movies or you know, pornography. I mean, these things are, you know, these, these are illusions that are painted by, you know, corporations that have nothing to do with the heart, you know? So it takes mm-hmm. tremendous effort to get past the, I can speak for myself and the mass and the men that I work with, it takes tremendous effort to get past those things that we were taught. Things that like, you know, our partners should be a certain way. They should look a certain way. They should act a certain way. When I realized that was my thinking and I really went deeper, I realized it was a total mask for my own insecurities at the time that were saying I should be a certain way because I didn't want to deal with it. I was able to project it. Now, I have apologized Mm -hmm. to anyone I've dated who I was able to contact for that. Uh, I think I'm a much better person now. I'm happily married. Um, You know, we have a wonderful relationship, amazing communication. And that's the key, you know, the ability to be real, the ability to be ourselves, whether it's more to the masculine or the feminine, regardless of actual sex. Um, that's what is so powerful to me was when we can sort of reframe and re-educate people on better ways of being, not just with health, but with relationships, even financial. I work with some people who are stuck financially and it's not about what they're doing. It's about who they're being. You know, we work with the internal environment, which always extends outward. So a long question, I'm sorry, a long answer to your short question, um, but hopefully an informative one. <laughs> okay. So for for listeners out there who maybe think they might be an empath uh, or no one, um, what tips, uh, can you give maybe to maybe first figure out for sure if you are, and then how do you uh, start to manage it if that's the word we want to use? Because I don't want it to sound like it's uh, a disease, obviously. But I mean, how do you learn to work with it uh, to, to your advantage? Mm-hmm. Well, it takes a bit more time than what we have here to give you the full thing, but I can give you the sort of one of the main points that I found, and this goes back to the earlier conversation about what was it that all these people had in common who were coming to me for healing work, regardless of the symptom, not denying it, but, you know, just kind of looking what's under it all. One of the things that I found was an extremely high sense of responsibility for other people. And sometimes they were told that from day one, like, okay, your father's gone now, you have to take care of your sibling. Or sometimes we just assume that a lot of people I work with were able to feel that 
their caretakers or parents or siblings were weren't well, so they wanted to help those people. And it's beautiful intention. But anything done from a sense of responsibility pretty much closes down your energy fields. It takes a very conscious practice to see what are my underlying energies and intentions underneath the actions. I'll make it a little more tangible. You can make a sandwich for someone from a place of love and compassion and appreciation for that person, for even that you have food that day. That sandwich is probably going to taste really good. There's going to be a lot of beautiful energy between yourself, whoever you're making it for. Now take the exact same activity from the outside, at least, making a sandwich. If you've been making a sandwich for someone every day for decades and you're resenting it, what's the energy underneath that, right? It's usually responsibility or guilt. What will they think of me if I don't, if I don't want to make this anymore? Or shame, what will I think of myself? Uh, more fear can arise. And it's all because we're not following our highest truth. So pretty much there are I look at it as two different options of doing anything. One is from the responsibility, which also includes fear, shame, guilt. All those lead to resentment. Those close down your energy field, making you much more susceptible to pain and illness. And in the case with empaths and highly sensitives, making us even more sensitive and receptive to other people's pain and illness. The other side being doing something from a place of love and compassion and truth and alignment with your higher self. Again, on the outside, look exactly the same, but on the inside, a different world. And start being very conscious of those options and really begin to do things that are only in alignment with ourselves. What do you think is going to happen to your internal energy field? Right? You're much more in alignment, most likely much happier. Um, The ability to communicate will free up. The ability to even say to someone, hey, you know, I really love you, but I just don't want to make this sandwich for you today. Very different energy than, like, make your own damn sandwich, you're lazy, whatever, you know. Um, but <laughs> yeah. So the underlying energies really have to be examined. And, you know, what I do is not just healing work. I give people life to- tips and, you know, empath hacks, if you want to call it that, that mm-hmm. will allow people to stay in that healed space. This is one of the biggest ones, understanding the energies under the actions and not doing those anymore. And granted, it takes time, but so does learning a language. Really, anything worth having, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. Mm-hmm. So I never promise the instant healing. Um, you know, There are people that do, and that's fine. But the reality is those people end up coming to me saying, hey, I was promised this, I was promised that, the weekend workshop that promised this, this book that promised that, this practitioner promised that that hasn't worked yet. And my thing is, let's be real about, you know, patterns and habits, you know. They don't just change overnight. They take consistent effort. So we really need to be patient with ourselves. Unfortunately, one of the things I've seen is that the self-help movement has actually created a lot of isolation, self-reliance, and because what's being, what's trying to be healed is so deep and so intense, it's very difficult to do on their own. So they end up actually becoming more self-critical about not being able to do what X book or practitioner or workshop says, which is really feeding the underlying causes of what brought them to that place, you know, that modality in the first place. Yeah, right? So, sense. yeah. So we have to be really conscious. Yeah, it just sort of compounds the problem. 
Right. And that's the last it, time. It, and, you know, nothing good happened with self-criticism. Right, right, right. right. I hear you. Um, so uh, I, I'm sure uh, listeners, uh, you know, are, are you know, the, the, the wheels are turning, you know. <laughs> uh, um, what are you up to soon? Um, do you have any workshops or presentations uh, that you're going to be giving sometime soon? Yeah, I do group events both here. I live in Portland, Oregon, and I also do some group events by phone. And I actually have a teleworkshop, two of them starting next Tuesday, one uh, one morning, one evening. So so uh, that would be for anyone listening later next Tuesday, January twenty third, twenty eighteen. And if there are openings afterwards, someone can still join for the, you know for the first couple of weeks, but. Um, in those group uh, events, we learn how to really thrive and to heal as a highly sensitive person. Um, we can take care, take advantage of like group dynamics, um, person-specific exercises, uh, in-depth consultation, uh, energy healing work. You know all these things that come to me in the moment. So it's it's a pretty fascinating process. In that there's no syllabus other than my book, which is a basis. But the deeper work happens like in person. A lot of people get great results from the book. I have you know uncountable numbers of emails of gratitude and saying, "Hey, I had this problem all these years, and now using your steps, I don't have that problem anymore. Thank you, which is great." The next step is, or a different step for many, is because group energy is so much more intense, which can be positive or negative, right? It can be scary, but I try to mm-hmm. guide it as best as possible. I just show up. And I listen. Everything is intuitively guided. So each person gets exactly what they need at the exact pace they can handle it in the exact way that they need to receive it in the group environment. So it's, and the other thing about group work is it's less expensive. So for someone who's economically challenged, it's a perfect opportunity. So that's, that's something very soon that's arising. Uh, the in-person workshop that starts about a week and a half after that. And then there are general, um, you know, expos and other interviews that I'm doing. Uh, my website's probably the best place to look for all that. It's my name, which is Dave, D-A-V-E, Markowitz, M-A-R-K-O-W, <laughs> excuse me, I-T-Z. You might not want to put the cough into the URL, M-A-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z. <laughs> uh, or just do a, you know, a search Portland Medical Intuitive, Energy Healing, Dave Markowitz, or I'm usually the first one that comes up with that. And um, yeah, so a lot of great opportunities. And of course, I do one-on-one work also. And uh, well, these, you, these you are, said, these, I, I think, I think I heard you say you you can actually do this over Skype. Yeah, yeah, I can work one-on-one in person or by phone or by Skype. So okay, the visual for a lot of people was very helpful. Um, the nice thing sometimes about the phone is, you know, you can get a session while you're still in your pajamas, but if you <laughs> want to have more visual, um, and the Skype, um, you know, take advantage of modern technology, right? <laughs> thing works just like in Star Trek years ago, who would have thought that we have these screens that we can have live conversations with, you know, other people on the other side it, of the world. Pretty amazing. Interesting. So let's use it. <laughs> Right. Yeah, who who would who would have thought? You know, even uh, right. uh, 
uh, yeah, even like our Dick Tracy watch, you know, uh, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, now we have, now we have those too. So um, yeah. just a little bit about uh, your book, Self-Care for the Self-Aware. Uh, it has a few different sections. Uh, one is why we find each other. Two, uh, prevention. Three, healing from empathically transmitted pain and illness. And then the last section, uh, you describe the value of safe space. Um, did you want to talk just briefly about that? Um, sure. Safe space is huge. Um, we, we alluded to it earlier that some people can be really calm and they can use their intuitive gifts to see what's going on within them. And that's beautiful. If you can do that, all the power to you. But I've had, you know, world-class energy healers and intuitives reach out to me. And my first question was, why are you reaching out to me? And to them, it was understandable and even normal which woke me up and allowed me to be less, less self-critical, that to get our own readings is often very difficult. We're just too close to it. And it has nothing to do with mm-hmm. lack of intuitive ability or lack of intelligence, all these things that the mind will make up. So it's very important that we have someone help us get to the real issue. The mind will always create a scenario. And most of the time, it's not true. Most of the time, it will be a distraction from the actual Uh, challenge or opportunity or even blockage in safe space. This is, this is an amazing statistic that I heard. I heard someone talking about some research. I don't know how they did it. And even if they're off by a little bit, bear with me, it'll sound amazing. They said that on average, people can go 11 times deeper when they're being held in safe space than, than they can on their own. And Hmm. even if it's just twice, Right, which I, I think it's a lot more than that, but maybe it's 11. I don't know. And to me, why quantify it? But the idea is it's so much stronger. So as opposed to, and there's nothing wrong with the following, as opposed to me saying, okay, you have grief in your heart chakra. It's from uh, the collective unconsciousness. I can hold the space for someone and have them experience and see what's happening on a much deeper level, much easier than when they can do it on their own. And the advantage of that to me is, like you were saying earlier, to have the experience versus someone just telling you something, I think it's night and day. You know, you mentioned being skeptical, and that's beautiful. I, I welcome skeptics. I, I enjoy them, actually, because it's, it's real. If that's what's real for someone, I want to know what's real for them. So when we work with that, okay, you know, where were you let down before? Like, there's always something to go into, and I can intuit what to do. But when someone has an experience, when they feel the grief in their heart chakra that they didn't know was there, that potentially causing blockages and pain and illness, and that's just an example, it can be anything or anywhere, um, there's no arguing at that point. There's no skepticism. It's like, you know, I don't tell them what they're going to feel. I said, I'm going to create a space and you will be able to see, feel, or hear whatever is going on in your body. And then we're going to work with it together. And the next book, called Empathopedia, is going to really accentuate this a lot more because I think it's so powerful and to our earlier point about the self-help world leading to more people isolating, to more self-criticism, you know, that's not helping. You know, to me, empaths and people in our, our sort of world here, our little, you know, 5D metaphysics, call it what you will, um, you know, we all want good things like we all want to see the planet healed we want to increase our connection with people we want to be able to use our gifts 
make a living out of it. We want to be able to understand those we disagree with. We want to create peace. And what better way to do it by modeling those things? You know? So mm-hmm. as we heal the inside environment, we sort of send out a very different vibration. I think ultimately that's how things are going to shift on the bigger picture. Now, it's probably not going to happen tomorrow or even this year. It might be dozens or hundreds or even more years till we get to that point. But I want to do what I can now, just like you do for the people you work with. You know, there's a beautiful exchange and appreciation, uh, a vibration, if you will, that happens by doing this work. So, again, long answer, but... I'm <laughs> Okay. <laughs> hopefully, so, no. hopefully an informative one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Very, very insightful. Thank you. So, um, all right, well, why don't uh, – well, we know your books are on Amazon, uh, and the one we've been mostly talking about tonight, again, is Self-Care for the Self-Aware. And you have uh, Empathopedia coming out. Uh, and why don't you go ahead and mention your uh, website again, Dave? Okay, it's my name, which is DaveMarkowitz.com, D-A-V-E-M-A-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z. So um, is there anything uh, maybe I have uh, not thought to ask you that you might want to leave listeners with, um, you know, that that you feel might uh, be an important point you want to make? The word that's coming through is hope. And to me, without hope of a better future, you know, we're going to be pretty down. And what I'd like to impart to the people that are listening is there's always hope. There's always a way through a particular challenge. We're not given challenges to fail, to, you know, we're given challenges to grow from. Sometimes failure is part of that, of course, but even that's a judgment. Point being really is there's always somewhere to go, there's always something to do, always somehow to be that can help in any situation, no matter how down you are, how down you've been, or how down you think you're going to be, there's, there are things you can do, there are ways of being, and it's a matter of reaching out to the right people. Now, if I'm one of those people for you, great. If not, that's also great. My only hope is that people recognize there's much more potential out there than we're typically aware of. You know, mm-hmm. Before I did this work, I didn't really, my only experience with the word empath was like you said, from the Star Trek episode, you know, and right. while a lot of Star Trek things have come true now, like the video stream. <laughs> I didn't think that was really a big, you know, a thing, but it is. And for those out there right. that are dealing with these heavy symptoms that have not gotten any results, well, it's very possible that because they've been empathically absorbed and to heal those takes a very specific set of steps that are designed by an empath for empaths. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, okay. And it's not to put down other people's practice. It's just like we got to go to, you know, if you have a an American car, you, you wouldn't bring right, it to right a foreign car specialist. Exactly. Yeah. So I, there's I always a medicine You have to take the right medicine. <laughs> Right. Well, Dave, um, thank you. Uh, Thank you for sharing all of this on the show tonight. And uh, when the next next book is out, uh, give me a jingle and uh, we'll go a little bit deeper. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. Good night. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.
show. I just want to tell you about next week's guest. Uh, I am looking forward to talking to uh, Dennis Patrick Flattery. Uh, He is with uh, the faculty over at Pacifica Graduate Institute in Carpinteria, California. We are actually going to be talking about Kurt Anderson's book, uh, Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire, A 500-Year History. I think that's going to be lots of fun. Um, you know, we're going to talk about what America's history is, um, beginning with its origin. Uh, we're going to talk about fantasy thinking. We're going to talk about how that shapes uh, community and society. Um, you know, what created this, uh, the rise of fantasy land uh, that we live in? You know, what's the relationship between uh, evangelical religious fervor and the truth according to me? Um, I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation, too. Um, I'm going to ask uh, Dennis uh, to talk about uh, the corporate media and uh, more about right-wing uh, religion academia and how it plays a role in uh, America, you know, going haywire and uh, all the fantasy thinking out there. So uh, that's one you won't want to miss, I don't think. Uh, and you know what? I got another word here from Joe Carson. Most people see humankind as really separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or a tree is. And I came out of it. This is my mother planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course. Well, you've been listening again uh, to Joe Carson, and uh, that was the trailer for Dancing with Gaia. Uh, That's Joe's uh, feature-length documentary film. Uh, In it, she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about Earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of goddess as Gaia. You know, Joe traveled to ancient sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot this film. Uh, These spiritual sites range from northern Scotland to central Turkey, uh, places that profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. So if you've always wanted to see them yourself, but you don't think you're actually going to get there, uh, this is a great opportunity to experience some of the best ones and get their story. Uh, The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini book, which goes even deeper into the material. You can buy the DVD and booklet for only $20 at DancingWithGaia.com. Well, uh, that about does it for me tonight, listeners. Uh, We have the Women's March on Saturday. I wonder how many of you uh, might be attending in your city. Um, I'd love to hear from you and uh, uh, maybe even chat with you on the show about uh, your experience. We're hoping it's as big or bigger as the one last January. So if you're going, uh, have fun, be safe. 
uh, wear your pink hat. And uh, remember to tune in next uh, Wednesday uh, right here with uh, me and uh, uh, Dennis Slattery, uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine. And we'll be uh, talking about how America turned into a fantasy land with all the magical thinking. You won't want to miss it. All right. Good night. Be safe, and remember what I always tell you, what you focus on, what you give attention to, what you nurture, well, that survives and thrives, whether that is a good thing or a bad thing that you're focused on. So uh, if you uh, want to make sure things that uh, maybe you interpret as not the best for you, uh, that those diminish, well, you know, uh, maybe uh, you need to ease up and not put so much focus on it. And uh, because remember, those things that we neglect, uh, those are the things that winter, those, uh, wither. Those are the things that, uh, uh, that dissolve, that dissipate. All right, well, we're going to call it a night. Uh, thank you for being with us. I hope you enjoyed the show tonight with Dave Markowitz, uh, self-care for the self-aware and highly sensitive person. And as always, uh, please get in touch with any comments, uh, guest ideas, or show ideas. Until next week, good night. <laughs>